Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, February 21st. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and reread all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill has the day off today. She'll be back later this week. So let's get to it. President Biden made a surprise trip to Kiev, Ukraine on Monday. We'll tell you how he got there. The visit came amid Republican criticism that he should instead be in East Palestine, Ohio, here in America. I also have an update for you today on where we are more than two weeks after that derailment. Another earthquake has struck the hard-hit Turkey-Syria region as they continue to recover from those two massive earthquakes a couple weeks ago. Alec Baldwin got a major legal victory over the weekend as one of those charges against him in that onset movie shooting was dropped. We got new numbers from the TSA on the number of guns being caught at U.S. airports. And just a few weeks away from opening day, baseball is trying some new things to win over younger fans and speed up the game. And of course, we'll end as always with On This Day in History. All right, let's get started in Ukraine here, where President Biden arrived in the capital city of Kiev on Monday in an early morning surprise visit. It's an effort by Biden to reinforce American support for President Zelensky and his war efforts against Russia. The trip was shrouded in secrecy, kept secret from even people inside the White House, the State Department, and the Pentagon. And it comes just days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Biden spent about five hours in the Ukrainian capital consulting with Zelensky on next steps, honoring the country's fallen soldiers, and seeing U.S. embassy staff in the country. Biden telling people there, one year later, Kiev stands, Ukraine stands, democracy stands. Biden also got a taste of the terror that Ukrainians live through daily when air raid sirens howled just as he and Zelensky were wrapping up a visit to St. Michael's Cathedral in the capital. This was a very carefully orchestrated trip, months in planning. He spent about 23 hours in Ukrainian territory, but just getting to Kiev via train took about 10 hours. He didn't go with the normal Air Force One, his beast vehicle, etc. He took a 10-hour Ukrainian train for safety purposes to get from Poland into Ukraine. Apparently, there was consideration within the White House circles of just having Biden go across the border into Ukraine, though he insisted on making it all the way to Kiev. That is where other Western leaders have made it to visit Zelensky, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell. A number of congressional leaders have also traveled to Kiev in recent months. But there were concerns through yesterday that it was not safe enough for Biden to go. Notably, the U.S. did give Russia a heads up just a couple hours in advance that Biden would be in the country. Biden is trying to keep allies unified in their support for Ukraine going into a second year now. The war is expected to intensify this spring as things warm up in the region. The Russians have been bolstered by new Iranian weapons, and there's concern that Russia will be on the offensive in the coming months. The Ukrainian president, Zelensky, is pressing allies, including the U.S., to speed up the delivery of promised weapon systems, including fighter jets. Right now, the Ukrainians really want air superiority to be able to really break through the Russian lines. Right now, Russia controls about 10 to 15% of Ukraine. While there, Biden did not announce that we were sending over any fighter jets, but he did announce 500 million more dollars in U.S. assistance. Much of it is for ammunition and bullets. The Ukrainians are running out. The latest $500 million in aid comes atop the $50 billion or so the U.S. has already provided for shells for howitzers, anti-tank missiles, air surveillance radars, and a whole bunch of other aid. Biden's trip to visit Ukraine came as the president was already visiting neighboring Poland this week as they decided to tack on this trip as long as they could keep him secure. Here in the U.S., the Biden visit shows that the U.S. is prepared to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes to repel Russian forces. That comes even though public opinion polling in the U.S. is starting to show a bit of softening 
among American support to provide weaponry and economic assistance to Ukraine. Right now, a majority of Republicans and Democrats continue to support aid to Ukraine, but we are seeing a growing number of Republicans who are calling for a slowdown or a stop altogether of that aid. The Biden trip itself received overwhelming praise from legislators in both parties, though there were a number of Republicans who criticized Biden for the trip, saying instead he should be here at home dealing with issues here, including visiting Americans in Ohio, dealing with the aftermath of that train derailment. I'll have more on that situation in a second, though among the critics yesterday was former President Trump, who, of course, is also running against Biden to reclaim the White House in 2024. Trump saying that Biden was neglecting Americans yesterday. Trump himself is planning a visit to East Palestine, Ohio, and the train derailment on Wednesday. Back in Ukraine for a second, Biden used the trip on Monday to call out Putin for the misguided war. Putin is set to give a big speech today, so look out for headlines as you wake up this morning to see what Putin may have said. Right now, it appears he's doubling down and looking to continue this war into a second year. Over the weekend, the U.S. said that Russia has officially committed crimes against humanity in their murdering of Ukrainian civilians in this war. The Russians, as I mentioned, show no sign of letting up. In fact, on Monday, they had the top Chinese diplomat visiting Moscow. And that comes as there are concerns in the U.S. that China is considering providing weapons to the Russians who sorely, sorely need more weaponry to keep their war going. The U.S. has warned China against it. China says, stand back. We do our own thing. So far, they have not aided the Russians. We'll see, though, what comes from this visit of the Chinese foreign minister to Moscow. Now let's head over to Eastern Ohio, the uh, story we just mentioned briefly. The U.S. EPA Administrator Michael Regan will be returning to the Ohio town of East Palestine today. That's where he's expected to announce additional measures to ensure health and safety of the community and to hold the train line, Norfolk Southern, accountable. The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, and area congressmen are also expected to be present. This all comes as that area is dealing with the aftermath now more than two weeks out from that train derailment that also included a toxic chemical release. A new clinic is set to open today for residents who have medical questions or concerns regarding the derailment. Residents in the community of about 5,000 in East Palestine have described rashes, sore throats, nausea after returning home from the controlled detonations a couple weeks ago. A number of toxic chemicals were released as they dealt with the aftermath of the train derailment. They were trying to prevent a massive explosion like a bomb. So they did a controlled explosion. But there's concerns now that the controlled explosion did leak toxic chemicals into the ground. The chemicals include things like vinyl chloride, which has the potential to kill at high levels and increase cancer risk. One of the senators from Ohio, Sherrod Brown, was on TV over the weekend saying that the water and air are safe based on daily tests. This is also what the EPA at the state level and the federal level in Ohio are saying. But Senator Brown acknowledged that residents are right to be skeptical. He told residents that they should repeatedly be testing their water and soil, especially if they have their own wells or they're close to creeks. At the same time, there's a huge federal response on the ground there right now. You have FEMA, you have the Department of Transportation, you have Health and Human Services, you have the CDC, and I mentioned the EPA there, testing and trying to provide aid to residents there. Notably, so far, officials say that the water is clean. I shared a video on Instagram yesterday of a toast of sorts of local officials all drinking East Palestine tap water in plastic cups, effectively cheersing. Uh, and trying to reassure locals that the uh, water remains safe. You can check that out over at the Mo News Instagram feed. One of the concerns here, especially when it comes to groundwater, is that East Palestine is very close to the Ohio River. The Ohio River runs about a 1,000 miles 
through multiple states and then into the Mississippi. So there is a lot of caution right now among a, a whole bunch of cities along the Ohio River who or who get their water from the Ohio River to keep testing the water to ensure that it remains clean. Over the weekend, the man in charge of Norfolk Southern, that's the company that was responsible for the crash, returned to East Palestine to see how the cleanup was going for himself. The CEO is named Alan Shaw. He says the company remains committed to the long-term cleanup of whatever happened there. He told local residents that, quote, I want to make sure you understand I am terribly sorry that this happened to the community. We are fully committed to doing what's right for this community. And that's also something you're hearing from state and federal officials. They definitely plan on holding Norfolk Southern accountable for every penny of damage they caused to that region. All right, before we get to the speed read, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors this week. Let's start with Bull and Branch Sheets. They're extending their special deal for Mo News listeners. We're all trying to stay warm this winter. We all also know how important sleep is. We spend about a third of our lives in bed. And so the sheets you have around you are so, so important. We often talk about sleep studies on this podcast, the importance of getting a good night's sleep. And my wife and I had the good fortune of getting Bolin Branch sheets this fall, and it has been a game changer for us. They are made of 100% organic cotton. They get softer with every wash. And right now, Bolin Branch is extending their special deal for all Mo News listeners, they're offering you 15% off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code Mo News. We're actually looking right now to get a second set of sheets. That is how amazing they are. So I encourage all of you to head over to bullandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, where for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S. Again, that is Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch, bullandbranch.com, promo code MONEWS. Now to another longtime great sponsor of the Mo News podcast, Athletic Greens. I first started using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, and it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support your gut health. We know how important that is, and we also know how difficult it is to get all your vitamins every day. AG1 makes it easy. Again, just one scoop in a glass of water. And what's great is with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs of AG1. You can head over right now to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it for just one month. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash monews. For this special deal, it'll really let you start to take ownership of your health. All right, now it's time for the speed read. Let's start with the BBC. They're reporting that a new earthquake struck Turkey on Monday, and it comes only a couple of weeks after those devastating earthquakes struck the region. More than 700 people have been injured in Turkey and Syria from the latest quake on Monday. It had a magnitude of 6.4 and was followed by dozens of additional aftershocks. It comes after that massive 7.8 magnitude quake struck the same area on February 6th, killing more than 44,000 people in Turkey and Syria. Unfortunately, the death toll there continues to go up. Turkish authorities have recorded more than 6,000 aftershocks since that first February 6th quake. Okay, our next read comes to us from Insider.com. A record number of guns were intercepted in the U.S. last year by the TSA at airport checkpoints. The TSA is reporting that the total number was just over 6,500, averaging out to about 18 guns a day. It's an all-time high for guns intercepted at U.S. airports, and it comes at a time where more Americans are armed. With the exception of 2020, which of course was disrupted by the pandemic, the number of weapons intercepted at airport checkpoints has climbed every year since 2010. 
Now, experts don't believe this is an epidemic of would-be hijackers or people looking to commit crimes. Nearly everyone caught claims to have forgotten they had a gun with them when they entered the airport. But the TSA emphasizes the danger that even one gun can pose in the wrong hands on a plane or at a checkpoint. They point to an incident in Atlanta in November of 2021, which reinforces the need for their efforts. That is where a TSA officer noticed a gun in a passenger's bag. When the officer opened the suitcase, the man reached for the gun and it went off. People ran for the exits and Atlanta Hartsfield, which is the busiest airport in America, was shut down for two and a half hours. And that's just from one gun. The belief from government officials is just that the rise in gun interceptions reflects that just Americans are carrying more guns. Background checks for firearm sales have gone from about 7 million in the year 2000 to 16 million last year. So effectively a doubling of gun purchasing over the last 20 years. They released the top 10 list of airports for gun interceptions last year. It includes Dallas, Austin, Houston, three airports in Florida, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, and Tampa, Nashville, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Denver. Right now, fines are the TSA's tool for punishing those who bring a gun to a checkpoint. Last year, the TSA raised the fine to just under $15,000 if you're caught with a gun. You will also lose your TSA pre-check status for at least five years, according to them. And that's for those who bring in a gun by mistake. If they can prove that you intended to bring the gun past the checkpoint, it is a federal offense and potentially could be linked to prison time. All right, from People Magazine now, Alec Baldwin got some good legal news over the weekend. He will no longer be facing multiple years in prison over the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. That's according to a new legal filing uh, that came out late Friday. It appears that prosecutors have dropped one of the two charges against him, what's called a firearms enhancement charge that they originally brought against the actor-producer. Had he been convicted of that charge, he would have faced a mandatory five years in jail. The actor's lawyer successfully argued, though, that the firearm law they were trying to get him on, one of those charges, was not actually in effect at the time of the fatal shooting in 2021. The judge agreed here, and so they've decided to drop one of those charges. Now, Baldwin still faces a charge of involuntary manslaughter for the shooting. That crime carries a lesser sentence of 18 months in jail if he's convicted. Still, Baldwin's lawyers are happy with the drop of one of the charges, saying the prosecutors committed a basic legal error here that they effectively tried to get Baldwin on a statute that did not exist at the date of the accident. Baldwin is facing charges alongside the armor of the movie set. Her name is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. She also saw that secondary charge that would have put her in jail for five years dropped. The two of them still face, again, involuntary manslaughter charges, which would put each of them in jail for 18 months. All right, a bit of sports news here from the AP. We're just over five weeks away from opening day for baseball, and Major League Baseball is looking to speed things up this year and attract a younger audience with some new rules. Baseball games through the last few years continue to get longer and longer. And so Major League Baseball has approved a series of changes here that will be in effect this spring uh, as they're looking to bring a uh, faster tempo, if you will, to baseball and appeal to a younger generation. So here are among the changes you're going to see in baseball this year. The size of the bases has increased to 18 inches from 15 square inches. Uh, They've also moved the bases slightly closer together. The goal here is to increase safety, but also increase stolen bases, try to up the excitement. All right, the second change is something you'll definitely notice. Effectively, the baseball is taking a cue from basketball and instituting their own version of the shot clock. In the NBA, each team has 24 seconds during each possession to shoot the ball. Now, in baseball, they're going to have a clock with multiple times attached to it. A new pitch clock will be set to 15 seconds with no runners on base. The pitcher has to pitch it within 15 seconds. If there's a runner on base, they will set the clock to 20 seconds. 
If you have watched baseball through the years, this could be a major game changer. Sometimes it takes minutes for the pitchers to release the ball. Once a batter gets on base or is out, there will only then be 30 seconds between batters. What they're trying to do here is really up the pace. They actually instituted this in the minor leagues, and they have found that it has knocked off 30 minutes off of games. Minor league games went from an average of three hours and four minutes to about two hours and 38 minutes last season. They're also eliminating a couple other things that teams use that often make the game much longer. The ability of teams to frequently shift the players in their infield from one side to another that delays the game has been eliminated. They're also going to limit two tactics pitchers often use that will waste minutes, add minutes to the game. They're going to limit the number of times pitchers can try to pick off base runners or step off the so-called rubber per plate. Pitchers will be limited in the number of times they get to do that. Right now, Major League Baseball has the oldest fan base of all major sports. The average age of a baseball fan is 57 years old, according to a recent survey. That is more than a decade older than the other sports leagues. NBA fans' average age is 42, NHL 49, and NFL 50. Again, baseball fans' average age 57, and they are desperately trying to bring that down, and they're hoping that some of these moves to speed up the game will start to attract a younger audience. Okay, as we end the speed read, here's some airline news via CNN. United Airlines announced on Monday it has a new seat map feature that'll help families with children under 12 find seats together free of charge. The feature will include basic economy tickets. The new seat map technology will dynamically find available adjacent economy seats at the time of booking and open up complimentary upgrades to other available seats as needed. In cases where side-by-side seats are not available, customers will be able to switch to another flight to their destination with adjacent seats in the same cabin for free. No fare difference will be charged in those cases. U.S. passengers have for a very long time complained about seating that separates young children from their parents on flights and the added cost of trying to purchase seats to sit together. A notice last July from the U.S. Department of Transportation called on all U.S. airliners to make seating children next to their accompanying adults available at no additional cost. It appears here that United Airlines is cooperating. The adjacent seat options are set to be available immediately. United Airlines says that the complete policy change will go into effect next month. All right, now to On This Day in History, on this February 21st, the peace symbol turned 65 years old today. It was rolled out on this day in 1958. This is the symbol, the circle with the three lines. It was commissioned by the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. Those three lines, the peace symbol, combines the visual symbols of the letters N and D, which is an abbreviation for nuclear disarmament. That vertical line in the center represents the flag semaphore signal for the letter D. The downward lines on each side represent the signal for the letter N. This probably makes much more sense if you Google it and look it up online. Anyway, happy birthday to the peace symbol, 65 years old today. As we're talking about surprise presidential visits, on this day 51 years ago in 1972, U.S. President Richard Nixon visited China, ending a 21-year estrangement between China and the U.S. It is seen as one of the major accomplishments of his presidency. And on this day 58 years ago in 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated in New York City. Malcolm X was the American Muslim minister, human rights activist, who was a prominent figure in the civil rights movement. He articulated concepts of black nationalism in the U.S., urging black Americans to protect themselves against white aggression by any means necessary. It was a stance that often put him at odds with the nonviolent teachings of fellow civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., a couple celebrity birthdays today. Kelsey Grammer, a.k.a. Fraser Crane, is 68 years old today. And actress Jennifer Love Hewitt and comedian Jordan Peele are both turning 44 years old today. 
after a long President's Day weekend, we're all back working the 9 to 5 today. And 41 years ago today, that Dolly Parton hit 9 to 5, reached number one on the Billboard charts. All right, finally here, we celebrate the 20th birthday of this famous film known for so many amazing quotes. Take a listen. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaking through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody. Come on, Snoop. That, of course, is old school. It is unbelievably 20 years old today, starring Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and Will Ferrell. The film premiered in theaters on this day, February 21st, 2003. I hope everyone has enough time to get to Bed Bath & Beyond this week, if you know what I'm saying. I want to thank all of you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please follow or subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can do that right now on your app. Please just follow the show. It'll ensure that you get every single episode. Some weeks we put out bonus episodes in the afternoon. Also, if you can, leave us a review in the App Store, uh, especially on Apple or Spotify. It makes a huge difference and helps our growth. You can also follow us beyond the podcast over on Instagram at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H over on Instagram. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.